Chapter Forty of Mystery of the Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Mystery of the Sea by Bram Stoker. Chapter Forty. The Redemption of a Trust. Senor, you may wonder why I am here and why I would speak with you alone and in secret. You have seen me only in a place which, though my own by birthright, was dominated by the presence of ladies, who, alas, by their nationality and the stress of war, were mine enemies. From you is not such. Our nations are at peace, and there is no personal reason why we should not be the most friendly. I come to you, senor, because it is born to me that you are cavalier, you can be secret if you will and you will recognize the claims of honor and duty of the highest the common people know it not and for the dear ladies who have their own honor our duties and such are not a part of their lives nay they are beyond and above the life as it is to us i need not tell you of a secret duty of my family for it is known to me that all of such is already with you the secret of the pope's treasure and of the duty of my house to guard and restore it has been in your mind oh yes this i know for he saw i was about to speak have i not seen in your hands that portion of the book so long lost here he stopped and his eyes narrowed some thought of danger necessitating caution had come to him i too was silent i wanted to think unless i had utterly misconceived him he had made an extraordinary admission one which had given him away completely the only occasion on which i had seen him was when he had pointed out to us that the pages which i had found belonged to the book in the library it is true that we had suggested to him that there was a cipher in the marking of the letters but he had not acknowledged it at the time he certainly did not convey the idea to us that he believed we had grasped the secret how then did he know or on what assumption did he venture to state that i knew his secret here was a difficult point to pass if i were silent he would take all for granted in such case i might not learn anything of his purpose so i spoke your pardon sir but you presume a knowledge on my part of some secret history of your family and of a treasure of the pope and then account for it that you have seen in my hand the book a part of which was long lost am i to take it that because there is or may be a secret anyone who suspects that there is one must know it the steady eyes of the spaniard closed narrower and narrower still till the pupils looked like those of a cat in the dark a narrow slit with a cavern of fire within for fully half a minute he continued to look at me steadily and i own that i felt disconcerted in this matter he had the advantage of me i knew that what he said was true i did know the secret of the buried treasure he had some way of knowing the extent of my knowledge of the matter. He was, so far, all truth. I was prevaricating, and we both knew it. All at once he spoke, as though his mind were made up and he would speak openly and frankly. The frankness of a Latin was a fell and strange affair. Why shall we beat about the bush? I know, you know, and we both know that the other knows. 
I have read what you have written of the secret which you have drawn from those marked pages of the law book. As he spoke, the whole detail of his visit to Crom rose before me. At that time he had only seen the printed pages of the cipher. He had not seen my transcript which had lain face down upon the table. We had turned it on hearing someone coming in. "'Then you have been to the castle again,' I said suddenly. My object was to disconcert him, but it did not succeed. In his saturnine frankness had been a complete intention, which was now his protection against surprise. "'Yes,' he said slowly, and with a smile which showed his teeth like the wolf's to Red Riding Hood. "'Strange, they did not tell me at Crom," I said as though to myself. "'They did not know,' he answered. "'When next I visited my own house it was at night, "'and by a way not known save to myself.' "'As he spoke, the canine teeth began to show. "'He knew that what he had to tell was wrong, "'and being determined to brazen it out, "'the cruelty which lay behind his strength became manifest at once. "'Somehow at that moment the racial instinct manifested itself. "'Spain was once the possession of the Moors.' and the noblest of the old families had some black blood in them. In Spain, such is not, as in the West, a taint. The old diabolism whence sprung Fanti and Hoodoo seemed to gleam out in the grim smile of incarnate rebellious purpose. It was my cue to throw my antagonist off his guard, to attack the composite character in such way that one part would betray the other. Strange! I said, as though to myself again. To come in secret into a house occupied by another is amongst civilized people regarded as an offense. The house is my own, he retorted quickly, with a swarthy flush. Strange again, I said. When Mrs. Jack rented the castle, there was no clause in her agreement of a right to the owner to enter by a secret way. On the contrary, such rights as the owner reserved were exactly specified. A man has a right to enter his own house, when and how he will, and to protect the property which is being filched from him by strangers. He said the last words with such manifest intention of offense that I stood on guard. Evidently he wanted to anger me, as I had angered him. I determined that thenceforward I should not let anything which he might say ruffle me. I replied with deliberate exasperation. The law provides remedies for any wrongs done. It does not, that I know of, allow a man to enter secretly into a house that he has let to another. There is an implied contract of peaceful possession, unless entry be specified in the agreement. He answered disdainfully. My agent had no right to let without protecting such a right. Ah, but he did. And in law we are bound by the acts of our agents. Facit per alium is a maxim of law and as to filching let me tell you that all your property at crom is intact the pieces of paper that you claimed were left in the book and the book has remained as you yourself placed it on the shelf i have mrs jack's word that it would be so he was silent so as it was necessary that the facts as they existed should be spoken of between us i went on Am I to take it that you read the private papers on the table of the library during your nocturnal visit? By the way, I suppose it was nocturnal. It was? 
Then, sir, I spoke sharply now, who has done the filching? We, Miss Drake and I, by chance discovered those papers. As a matter of fact, they were in an oaken chest which I bought at an auction in the streets of Peterhead. We suspected a cipher and worked at it till we laid bare the mystery. This is what we have done, we who were even ignorant of your name. Now what have you done? You come as an admitted guest by permission into a house taken in all good faith by strangers. When there you recognized some papers which had been lost, we restored them to you. Honor demanded that you should have been open with us after this. Did you ask if we had discovered the secret of the trust? No. You went away openly, and came back like a thief in the night and filched our secret. Yes, sir, you did. He had raised his hand in indignant protest. It was our secret then, not yours. Had you interpreted the secret cipher for yourself, you would have been within your rights, and I should have had nothing to say. We offered to let you take the book with you, but you refused. It is evident that you did not know the whole secret of the treasure. That you knew there was a treasure and a secret I admit, but the key of it, which we had won through toil, you stole from us. Senor, the voice was peremptory and full of all that was best and noblest in the man. A de Escoban is not wont to hear such an allegation, and he who makes such shall in the end have his own death to answer for. He stopped suddenly, and at his stopping I exulted secretly. Though I wished to punish him for his insinuation that Marjorie had filched from him, I had no desire to become entangled in a duel. I was determined to go on, however, for I would not, at any hazard, pass a slight upon my peerless wife. I think that his sudden pause meant thought, and thought meant a peaceful solution of things on my own lines. Nevertheless, I went on forcing the issue. I rejoice, sir, that you are not accustomed to hear such allegations. I trust that you are also not accustomed to deserve them. By this time he was calm again, icily calm. It was wonderful with what rapidity and how widely the pendulum of his nature swung between pride and passion. All at once he smiled again, the same deadly dreadful smile which he imagined to be the expression of frankness. I see I am punished. Twas I that first spoke of stealing. Senor, you have shown me that I was wrong. My pardon to that so good lady who is guest of my house and also to that other patriotic one who so adorns it. Now let me say, since to defend myself is thrust upon me, that you, who have with so much skill made clear the hidden mystery of that law-book which I have only lately read, know best of all men how I am bound to do all things to protect my trust. I am bound, despite myself, even if it were not a duty gladly undertaken for the sake of the dead. It was not I who so undertook, but still I am bound even more than he who did. I stand between law and honor, between life and death, helpless. Senor, were you in my place, would you not too have acted as I did? Would you not do so, knowing that there was a secret which you could not even try to unravel, since long ago that in which it was hidden had been stolen or lost? Would you not do so, knowing too that 
some other in all good faith and innocence let us say had already made discovery which might mock your hopes and nullify the force of that long vigil to which ten generations of men giving up all else had sacrificed themselves would not you too have come in secret and made what discovery you could discovery of your own mark you would not also that lady so patriotic to whom all things come after that devotion to her country which so great she holds whilst he was speaking i had been thinking the pretense of ignorance was all over to both of us he knew our knowledge of the secret trust and we knew that he knew the only thing of which he was yet ignorant was that we had discovered the treasure itself there was nothing to be gained by disputing points of conjectural morals of course he was right had either marjorie or myself considered ourselves bound by such a duty as lay so heavy on him we should have done the same i bowed as i answered sir you are right any man who held to such a duty would have done the same senor he answered quickly i thank you with all my heart poor fellow at that moment i pitied him the sudden flash of joy that leaped to his face showed by reaction in what a hell he must have of late been living this momentary episode seemed to have wiped away all his bitterness it was in quite a different way that he spoke again and now senor since your engaging frankness has made my heart so glad may i ask further of your kindness believe me that it is not of my own will but from an unbending sense of duty that i do and may have to do such things my life till lately has been otherwise oh so much so you have the feelings of honor yourself like me you are also man of the world and as such we can sacrifice all things save honor is there no way in which you can aid me to fulfill my trust and let there be peace between us he looked at me anxiously i said i fear i hardly understand with manifest embarrassment he went on you will forgive me if i err again but this time i must make myself clear it is manifest to me that in these days of science nothing can long remain hidden when once a clue has been found you already know so much that i am placed almost as though the treasure has already been found thereafter where am i what am i one who has failed in his trust who has allowed another to step in and so dishonor him a moment senor and i am done for he saw that i was about to speak it is not the treasure itself that i value but the trust if i could make it safe by the sacrifice of all my possessions i would gladly do so senor you are still free you have but to abandon your quest it is not to you a duty and therefore you sacrifice naught of honor should you abandon it here i pledge to you and o oh, senor i pray have patience that you take no affront that i do so that in such case i shall give to you all that i have give it gladly so i may redeem the trust of my house and go out into the wide world though it may be as a beggar yet free free oh pause senor and think i am rich in the world's goods my ancestors were of vast wealth 
even at that time when the great bernardino did give his ship to the king and for three centuries all have been prudent and all their possessions have grown there are vast lands of corn great forests many castles whole ranges of mountains as yet untouched for their varied treasures which are vast there are seaports and villages and in all the dwellers are happy and content i am the last of my race there is none to inherit so i am free to pledge myself he did not bow or bend there was no persistence of request in his voice or tone or manner in all there was no feeling of a bargain it was an offer based on the fulfillment of his own desires given in such a lordly way that there could be no offence in it he recognized so thoroughly the strength of my own position that the base side of barter became obliterated it was an exchange of goods between gentlemen such at least i recognized was his intellectual position my own remained the same how could i or any man take advantage of such an offer after thinking a few seconds i said to him sir you have honored me by grouping us as men of honor what would you do in my place his eye brightened and his breath came more quickly as he replied were it my case i should say senor your duty is one of honor mine is one of gain there can be no comparisons fulfill your debt to your forefathers redeem the pledge that they have made in your name discover your treasure and be free there was infinite pride in his voice and manner i think he really meant what he said i went on with my questioning and what about the taking of your estate as a reward for forbearance he shrugged his shoulders for that he said it matters not ah for you to give you mean he nodded but what for me to take would you do so in my place he was manifestly in a dilemma i could see something of the working of his mind in his face if he said he would himself take it he would manifestly lower himself in his own eyes and to such pride as his his own self-respect was more than the respect of others in proportion to his self-value if he said he would not then he might peril his chance of getting what he desired the temptation was a cruel one with all my heart i honored him for his answer given with the fullness of his mighty pride senor i can die i cannot stoop but what avails my own idea the answer is not for me i have offered all i have i will in addition pledge myself to hold my life at your service when this great trust is relieved to this my honor is guardian you need not fear it shall be redeemed now senor you have my answer to redeem the trust of my sires i give all i have in the world except my honor the answer rests with you end of chapter forty recording by james k white chula vista